H12, how are you guys doing tonight? We are so glad that you are here. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you're spending a little bit of your summer with us. Guys, I love summer. You get to just hang out, just do whatever you want. You get to go to bed as late as you want. You, you get to wake up as late as you want. Hey, how many of you guys woke up after 11 this morning? Afternoon. After 1 o'clock. Josiah, are you serious? After 2 o'clock. 3 o'clock? How, what, what time did you wake up? 3.06? Congrats. Hey, give her a hand. She woke up at 3.06 this afternoon. I appreciate you waking up in time to come to H12 and be with us. That is, that is incredible. Well, tonight you might have noticed Derek's wearing camouflage. Everybody's wearing camouflage. I'm not wearing camouflage. I apologize. Tonight is camo night because we're in week two of our series called Camouflage. Not everything is meant to be seen. Last week, Derek talked about how some things in our spiritual lives are meant to to be camouflaged, not presented in front of other people. What camouflaging some of the parts of our spiritual life does is it keeps our motives in check. It makes sure we're doing these things for the right motives. And that's kind of what Derek talked about last week. One of these things that we're told by Jesus to keep camouflaged is prayer. Let me jump in. Matthew 6, verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. What God is saying here is, is don't just broadcast your prayers in front of everybody. See, your prayer life isn't meant to make you look good. It's about your relationship with God. How many, of you, how many of you guys have ever been ready to eat, like super hungry? Yeah, and you're, and you're in a group, and somebody is like, I'll pray. I'll pray for the meal. They're real eager. And then they start praying, and they just keep praying, and the food is right in front of you. They're still praying. They're praying about everybody they've ever met in their entire life and all the prayer requests they've heard the past eight times they've been to church. They're praying for the whole world's unspokens. All you're thinking is, man, I want to eat this food. God, I'm thankful for the food. I'll be even more thankful when this guy stops praying. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's like, don't be that guy. That's all it is. Pray in the secret place. You don't want to be that guy. Nobody wants to be that guy. Don't be that guy. When you pray in secret, prayer changes a little bit. It becomes something, something different. It, you can't get it out in front of everybody else. It becomes this deep kind of relationship that is a little bit different than what you think unless you've been there. Now, the past two years, past two summers, well, this year's spring break, I've had the opportunity to go to the country of Haiti on a mission trip. How many of you guys have been to Haiti on a mission trip? I know a team just got back. Sac Passe, anybody? No? Yeah, there it is. There it is. Well, last summer, last June, I went to Haiti to a village called Circa D, and we met with the leadership council of Circa D. I think we got a picture of them 
We could throw that up on the screen. This is Circadee's Leadership Council. Now, here they had just bought the land that's behind them. They were going to build a clinic for the people of Circadee. Now, this, this guy in blue right here, this is my man, Osley. Osley is the treasurer for the Circadee Leadership Council. And he got up in front of us and he just kind of shared his story, shared his life with us. And when he was done, he started praying for us. And Osley, Osley starts praying and it's like, it's something deeper than anything I'd ever heard in my entire life. I was just kind of taken aback by the way that he was praying. And I came to this conclusion. I was like, do I even know how to pray? Like, yeah, I'm here to do ministry, but this guy's praying and he's got this depth and he's got this conviction. And he's got this passion coming out of his mouth. His whole prayer is just laced with scripture. And I'm like, man, how can I pray like that? What does this guy have that I do not have? He had such a depth. His, his prayers, they brought this spiritual breakthrough. And that's what prayer does. It brings spiritual breakthrough. It brings emotional breakthrough. It, it gives wisdom. And I felt like I didn't have that. I felt like, you know, when I pray or when the people that I'm around pray, it tends to be something like, uh, God, help me get an A on my test. God, if you could just get him to notice me, if you could just get her to notice me, just look at me, maybe sit with me at lunch. God, if you could just give me the wisdom to get three stars on Clash of Clans, <laughs> Father, please. See, we tend... It's like I'm, I always feel like I'm asking for stuff. And, of course, you can take any petition to God. You can take anything on your heart to God. But let me ask you, last week Derek talked about motivation. What is the motivation behind our prayer life? Do we find ourselves just praying for things that we want, things that are self-centered? Are we praying with God, with, in relationship with God for other people, or are we just praying for us? Now, this past week, uh, I'm on Twitter. A lot of you are just past Twitter now, but I'm on Twitter. And I'm scrolling through my timeline on Twitter, and I just got slapped in the face by a tweet. You guys ever been slapped by social media? It happened to me. Anyway, there's a screenshot. This is a screenshot of what I saw. It says, if God answered all of your prayers, would the world look different or just your life? I know, right? I'm on here for like scores from Sports Center, and that happens. If God answered all of your prayers, would the world look different, or are you just praying for you? Am I just praying for me? Now, I look at how I pray compared to how Osley prays, and I wonder do I even know how to pray? I mean, maybe we're just doing this whole thing wrong. Maybe you're asking, does prayer even work? Maybe you don't pray because you don't think that prayer works. I've been there. Let me draw this out for you. This is something that's not scientific, but I'm going to call it the prayer spectrum. Now, Sometimes I feel like I'm right here. Let's call this left side of the prayer spectrum. Let's say that that is, you know, 
for us beginners in our prayer life. Maybe, maybe it's kind of self-centered. Maybe it's, you know, you just became a Christian and maybe you're just trying to figure this whole thing out. And then we want to move this way on the prayer spectrum, right? So maybe here's me right here and maybe this is Osley. Osley is further down the prayer spectrum than me. And so what happens is, when I hear Osley pray, I'm like, man, do I even know how to pray? This guy has a passion. This guy has a depth that I don't have. And I think that's what happens when you hear somebody pray that's further along the prayer spectrum than you. It's easy to think to yourself, man, what am I doing? You're not the only ones who feel this. I'm not the only ones who feel this. Jesus' disciples also felt this. In Luke chapter 11, it, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. See, he would often go off by himself, come back, and then the disciples would just see the result of Jesus' prayers. And they're like, how does this guy have this depth with his prayers? How do I get that? And they say, Lord, teach us to pray. This is just them admitting that they're not where they want to be, that they want that relationship with God that Jesus seems to have. So how do we pray like Jesus? What do we do to have prayers that actually accomplish something, prayers that could change our life, prayers that could bring spiritual breakthrough, emotional breakthrough, the wisdom that we crave, the depth of relationship with God that other people seem to have that we don't. Thankfully for us, Jesus actually answers this question. So I want to look together at a moment where Jesus taught his followers how to pray. It's in Matthew 6. This whole camouflage series is out of the Sermon on the Mount. So we're in Matthew 6. We're going to start at verse 9. Before I start, um, I want to point out, Jesus laid out a model for how we should pray. And you might have memorized this passage when you were a kid. Uh, I memorized it when I was a kid, and I used to say it on sports teams all the time. Like the teams that I was on where we would pray before a game, this is the prayer that we would say. So you might have heard it before, but before we dive into it, I want to point something out. Even if you know the words, I don't want to just look at the words that Jesus is saying. I want to look at the heart behind the words. I want to know the motivation behind this. I want to know the depth of what he's saying here. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. It's page 970 in the Bibles under your chairs. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to take that one with you. Let it be our gift to you. Matthew 6, chapter 9 says this. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Now pause. Our Father in heaven. Jesus, before we're even into the what we want part of the prayer, Jesus would say, stop and realize who we're talking to here. Our Father in heaven. There are two key words there. Father and heaven. Now, let's talk about Father for a second. This, this phrase, Father in heaven, is earth-shattering when you think about it. You're praying to God, and the first thing you say is, Father, our Father. Like, that's how close God is to you. He's your Father. 
He cares deeply about you. It is so intimate the way that the relationship between you guys is. Like he made you. You are from him, our father in heaven. Heaven. It's, he's not only intimate, God is also infinite. We're talking about heaven here. God, the creator of the universe. He's not in the world. He created the world. He came up with the whole idea of you. He came up with the whole idea of earth, the whole universe. He is above. He is outside of time. He is infinite. So that's your first point. If you're taking notes, the blanks are intimate and infinite. Jesus addresses God as intimate and infinite. And I'll usually catch myself saying something like, hey, God, you're in heaven I appreciate today. Thank you for today. And now let's talk about me. Let's talk about the things that I want. And Jesus is stopping us here and saying, hey, remember who you're talking to. When I was a kid, I, actually, that's not true. I love, it, it continues to now, I love Little Debbie snacks. I don't know. You can laugh. I don't care. Like cosmic brownies, Swiss cake rolls, oatmeal cream pies. You know, like, it doesn't matter. I love it. If it's a Little Debbie snack cake, your boy eats it, okay? Now, I want you to picture something. I love Little Debbies. When I was a kid, that's when I got hooked on Little Debbies. I bet I was like two or three years old. And my dad would let me eat Little Debbies within reason. He cares about me. He loves me, so he doesn't want me to get too crazy. Imagine this. If six-year-old Koi is walking through the grocery store holding dad's hand, six-year-old me, and I say, Dad, there are little Debbies. Dad, there are little Debbies. Buy me the little Debbies. What do you think my dad would have said? He would have been like, it would have ended that. There would have been absolutely no little Debbies, not for little Koi. See, Father, we address God as Father. That carries with it an admission that maybe He has the authority. It's not me. How, who would I be, a six year old Koi, to just tell my dad, hey, these are my demands? Meet them. How often do we pray like that? Hey, these are my demands, meet them. See, Jesus saying, Father, is also Jesus saying, God, you have the authority here. I know that you care about me so deeply that you know what is best. And because of that, you have the authority over my life. That's what Father is also talking about here. Now, let me say something before we move on. One more thing about Father. When I say Father, that evokes so many emotions, so many different emotions in this room. When I say father, some of you think about the most perfect, loving dad who has always been there for you and will always take care of you. Others think about someone who works so often that it doesn't seem like they have time. Some think of someone who is absent, largely absent from their life. 
Some think of someone who left, who said he didn't care, and you haven't seen him since. And since then, that's how you are. You don't care either. Hear me say this before we move on. God the Father is not a reflection of your dad. He is the perfection of your dad. He is, he is exactly who the perfect version of your father would be. It is, he is not a reflection of you and your dad's relationship. That is not you and God's relationship. He is perfect. Now, I think we can move on. So Jesus is teaching us how to pray, right? And he says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Stop. I'm gonna stop again. Hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? It means set apart, holy. You need to take the time to get the perspective of who you're talking to. This God is set apart, holy. The people that Jesus was talking to in this passage they held God in such high regard. They knew that he was so holy, they didn't say his name out loud. It was unspoken. Couldn't say his name because they knew that a word coming out of their mouth could not adequately represent the holiness of the God that they were talking about. It could not adequately represent his character. Something else, when they wrote the name of God, this is what they would do. They would be writing. This is a quill, not a marker. They would be writing, they would throw the quill they were writing with away. They would take a brand new quill and they would write his name. Then they would take the brand new quill they just used to write the name of God and they would throw it away because he's set apart, he's holy, he is so much more than you can wrap your mind around. He's so good. And the people Jesus was talking to would have known that. That is how they treated him. So this is, we're to your second point now. Point number two, holy. That's your blank. Jesus addresses God as holy. So once you've come to terms with your big, infinite, intimate, heavenly, holy dad, once you know who you're talking to, once we have this perspective, Jesus says this, pick it back up. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. What does Jesus mean when he says your kingdom come? This is what he means. You gotta look at the end of the verse to know. As it is in heaven. Your kingdom as it is in heaven. Jesus is praying that heaven would come to earth Heaven is the place where God reigns, where God's will is always carried out. It's a place without sin, without death, without pain. And Jesus is saying, heaven, come to this broken, imperfect, sinful earth. Replace it with what you have in heaven. Your kingdom come. Now, that is easy for me to pray. And I don't know about you because that sounds like paradise to me. A place with no pain, no hurt, no tears. I'm like, yeah, bring your kingdom. If it's perfect, bring it. I'll live there. Sounds like paradise. The part that I get tripped up on comes right after your, your kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the part that uh, Koi has a problem with. See, 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's point three, by the way. The deepest prayer is focused on God's will, not mine. If you're taking notes, write that down. God's will, not mine. This forces me in my prayer life to stop focusing on what I want and start focusing on what God wants. It humbles me. I'm not a naturally humble person, but this humbles me. This makes me acknowledge that God the Father knows better than I do. That's hard. We often pray and ask God to do something. See, we're like, God, if you just do this, and then it doesn't happen. And we get hung up. And we're like, God, I asked you for this. I asked you to heal this family member. I asked you to help me, to give me peace about this situation, and you just haven't done it yet. And if you're like me, you'll find yourself questioning his character. Why didn't he answer my prayer? You got to get your head around this. God answers every prayer. Yes, no, wait, could be any of those. But no is an answer, and I don't like that. When I ask for something, I'm asking for the yes. I'm like, come on. I have my best interests at heart, God, and apparently you do too, so come on. No is an answer, and it's, it's an answer that I'm not always comfortable getting, but the reality is God can say no. If he says no, just another thought, if he says no, there's probably a reason. There is a reason, and you just can't see it yet. We're not praying for God's yes. We're praying for God's will. Jesus is saying, Father, would you bring that perfect, restored world here where it is broken all around us? You have authority. You are the Father. You have authority, so let your will be done. True prayer is focused on God's will and not my will. It's one thing to just say the words, your will be done. It's a whole different thing to mean those words. I'll just tell you a little bit of my story. I had a will for my life, and I thought that it was exactly what I had been designed to do. I was in college. I was studying English. I was going to be a high school English teacher, and I was going to coach basketball, and it was going to be awesome, and I was extremely excited about it, and I knew that I would be good at it. That was the craziest part, and so I would, I would pray, like, God, just prepare me for the classroom in high school, God. And, and my motives were pure. That's, that's the other crazy thing. Like, I wanted to be a high school teacher so that I could have an impact on high school students. I wanted to help them navigate some very hard years of their life. My motives were pure. All I wanted to do was help. It was, all came from a good place. And then God said, stop it. I was at... Some of you might have heard of it, Water's Edge. It's now C12. I was here at 12 Stones, one of my first times ever coming here. Miles Welch, I was a sophomore in, in college, and Miles Welch talked about how you are incredibly gifted for many things. You have gifts, God-given abilities, and you are well-equipped to carry out many things in your life. But the reality is that God has a call, has a plan, has a will for your life. 
And if you walk in God's will for your life, your impact will be eternally, immeasurably greater than if you don't. You could be good at some things. You can be great at one thing that God has called you to. And I was sitting in my seat and I was like, okay, fine, I'll do ministry. Now, here I am. It's like four years later and I'm talking to you guys. Craziest thing. I wanted to be a part of the lives of high school students. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And God was like, no. And I was like, that is so stupid. That is so stupid. Turns out, God wanted me to be a part of high school students' lives, dude. And I just couldn't see it. I got a no and a redirection, and I couldn't see it. But God's will was where I was supposed to be, and now I can see that. My favorite verse, my top two, it's my second favorite verse. It's Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. You can write that down because I want all of you to know what it is. And it says this, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, for those called according to his purpose. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And it doesn't say how he does that. That's what makes this all so hard. But what I've found is God is working even in the no's when you pray, even in the waits when you pray. He is working all things together for good because he loves you. And this isn't, he's not working them all together for the good so that you can eventually get everything that you want. What he's doing is he's working all things together for the good, for his will, for his purposes. And as you walk closer and closer with him, his will becomes your will. Your wills become like this. And then all of a sudden when his will is carried out, you are happy to see it. It is what you want. It has become your will. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And part of this authority thing, part of this prayer thing is aligning so close to him and trusting him in his will that your wills become the same. I'm a little, got a little worked up, apologize. <laughs> it's a process to pray this prayer genuinely. It's something that we all as believers have to continually work out. I have to reset myself every day because every day I wake up, I have to fight against what Coy wants to do. And I have to, I have to pray, God, your will be done. And that can take me an extremely long time. But I have to reset my heart on what God wants to do in me and through me. And so go ahead and throw the to-dos up here. Uh, there are a couple ways to apply this, a couple things that I want you to do. We got to figure out where we are on the prayer spectrum. You can go ahead and write them down if you're taking notes. And what you will do, what will you do to take the next step? See, it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian your whole life or you've been a Christian for one week. You could be anywhere on this prayer spectrum. I'm just going to label this. Let's say this side is ask. Let's say that this side is abide. No, we'll change that. We're going to call this, keep the language the same. We're going to call this align. See, what I've noticed is when I first became a Christian and often when I'm not my best self right now, when my prayer life is kind of taking a step back, 
I'm asking for a lot of things. Now, there is always a time, no matter where you are in life, there is a time that you will ask God for things, and he wants that. But what I've noticed is the deeper and deeper you go in your prayer life, the deeper and deeper I go with God, I begin to align with him. My heart begins to align with God's heart. And I think that's what this prayer spectrum illustrates. We're moving toward alignment with God's heart. This isn't just prayer for prayer's sake. We're not just talking about prayer so you can be better at praying. Prayer is the pursuit of God. This is how you're pursuing God. And the deeper you go in your prayer life, the more aligned with God's will and God's purposes in the world you will be. So figure out where you are. Figure out where you are on the prayer spectrum. And, and I don't want anybody in here saying, well, I'm not aligned, so what am I supposed to do now? I quit. You can't pray wrong. Whether maybe, maybe you're at the place where you've never prayed a prayer in your life, and the first prayer that you are going to pray will be, God, are you real? He can handle that. You're, the first prayer, the next time you pray, it might be, God, I want you in my life. Could be that. Maybe you've been a Christian for 20 years, like Derek. Derek, I don't know how old you are. Not 20, 15, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Maybe you, you are so far over here. Well, let me tell you something. You're not perfectly aligned with God yet. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfectly aligned with God. So we can all go deeper along this prayer spectrum. And that's all I want you to do. I want you to be honest about where you are. Just find out where you are and let's take the next step together. We're not trying to do it all at once. You're not going to solve this in a week or in a year or in 10 years. It's going to be a lifetime thing. All God wants you to do is take the next step toward him. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see in your prayer life. Figure out where you are. Take the next step toward him. God is patient. He will walk with you. He will meet you where you're at. He is as patient and as loving as a perfect father can be. So this week, once you've figured out where you are on the prayer spectrum, I want you to pray these three lines. I want you to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven. I want you to sit on that. Hallowed be your name. The band's going to come back up. Just think about those two things. There's, the Lord's Prayer is, you know, it's way more lines than that. But I personally have not gotten far past that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I personally am still working through that. And I think that every day when you wake up in the morning this week, I want you to personally work through those three lines. Let him take his will. Ask him to help you submit to his will. He has plans for you. Not plans to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you hope and a future in his will. So pray with me. Father, I pray for a deeper relationship with you, God. Show us where we are in our prayer life and make our next step clear to us. 
May we never take it for granted that you have made yourself, the God of the universe, so accessible to us. Father, let us go deeper with you, Father. Let us figure out where we are and take the next step toward aligning ourselves with you. Align our hearts with yours, God. We pray all this in your name. Amen.